0: Good morning, Church. Nice to see you this morning. Thank you, Matoba, for sharing. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking I'm going to be a little bit cheeky this morning, I think. Um, and perhaps ask that all of the home groups consider, talk about how uh, each home group could maybe uh, sponsor one of those sewing machines. Having visited India many, many times, I know that if a man or a woman gets the sewing machine. The man can, if he's a tailor, if he's doing tailoring, um, is a good, uh, steady work, and there's good income, uh constant income. So, but anyway, consider that home groups, and uh, I'm sure our will as well. So, so thank you again for sharing, brother. Appreciate that, and to know that the Lord is doing such wonderful, wonderful work of grace. Uh, in your ministry, through your ministry and the work there. And I'm sure we'll continue to pray for, the, for you and for all of those who work alongside of you as well. So thank you, my friend. Okay, wow. Uh, here we are. It's Sunday again. Doesn't it come around quickly? And Steve was talking a little bit about um, a new season uh, spring is about to be sprung on us. And uh, uh, this is only my second spring in the mountains, and I'm still waiting for the first one, actually. so <laughs> We do have spring here, do we? Around January, is that right? Something like that? I think so. <laughs> but anyway, we're getting used to it, okay? I'm just looking at all you folk, and I can see you're hardy, and you're strong, and you're steadfast. And you haven't moved to the Central Coast. (laughs) You're still here. Well done. Well, um, it's good to be able to share with you again this morning and uh, appreciate the opportunity. What a joy it is to serve the Lord, to know Him and to serve Him and to be uh, particularly be able to share with you this morning His Word. I want to speak to you a little bit about what a church alive is, and a live church. And so, as we do that, let's have a look at the Scriptures. Um, Acts of the Apostles, uh, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, speaking about the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Devoted. They set that apart. That was something that was crucial, important, and critical. They set it apart. There was a devotion to it in their hearts. And everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. The thought is that, of course, when Pentecost happened, um, uh, many, many Jews from all of the nations came to Jerusalem and many of them were converted and stayed in Jerusalem. So they didn't have, um, you know, they couldn't go to their own home because they were nowhere near it. So all of a sudden there was this amazing generosity that was happening in the church. And the believers in Jerusalem began to, you know, just invite them in and welcome them in. And so they were all together. I love that. We're all together, all on the same page those who were being saved. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray that through the enabling and the empowering of your Holy Spirit, this word would come alive in us individually and corporately in us as a church. Father, would you do such a work in our hearts this morning as you take the word and write it in our hearts? that, Lord, we will leave this building on fire and aflame with passion for our Lord Jesus Christ and to serve his gospel faithfully. Pray that in Jesus' name. Well, our text is a very familiar passage, isn't it? You've read it heaps of times, I'm sure, and it describes those euphoric, heady times immediately following um, Pentecost, when thousands were saved, Uh, some people say is God interested in numbers, I think he is, (laughs) because uh, on Pentecost how many were saved? 3,000, and it's recorded 3,000, and another time when there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, many thousands came again to know Christ and to believe in Christ, and so uh, these were euphoric days. These were exciting days. These were these were days when the church had been birthed, and people were were just excited about the Lord Jesus Christ and about their new faith in Him. And the church was birthed. And what becomes obvious as you read um, this particular passage, and as you go through other passages in uh, Acts is that that the most exciting, extraordinary, what I would say are God things happen, they took place in community. You see it in the church, you just read it, in the church, God was so powerfully revealed, so powerfully manifested... That the people were in awe. All oh, that would happen for us. That we would know the presence and the power of God in such a way that when we gathered in the, uh, uh, on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night, there was this sense of awe, of the sense of God amongst us. I'm looking for that. And I think I'm believing for that as well. Now, the church was characterized by a deep devotion to God and to one another. It was devoted to worship and to love and faith and sacrifice and generosity and service and to mission and explosive growth. All of these were inspired and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, by the presence of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder, after reading this passage, and you're familiar with it, and you've read other passages in Acts, and you've read the Acts of the Apostles, or as some would like to call it, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, as you've read that, I wonder if secretly in your heart you would be saying, could the church ever be this again? Could it ever be this again? Could we, our church, B, B, C, be this. Thank you. (laughs) I think, without doubt, without question, that's exactly what God wants for us. That's exactly what I believe is living in Christian community. That's what it's meant to be. But sometimes that's the furthest thing from our experience. We had moments, thank you this morning, the worship guys, the worship team, fantastic. We had those moments when we sensed the presence of God, but they're gone quickly. What we're really wanting, isn't it? That God would not only come, but stay. But stay that he would be so revealed amongst us. And I'm, wa- I'm wanting to, to, um, to grasp this, that it happens in community. You see, God doesn't dump his presence. Sometimes that might happen. But you see, you and I bring into this place the presence of God because he fills us. And so often Christians are looking, oh, well, I didn't get a feeling this morning. I didn't sense God was here. God didn't turn up. Well, God turns up in you and in me. And together, the presence of God is amongst us and with us. And as we use our gifts, the very person of Jesus is revealed amongst us. Because we are the body of Christ. And so when we're together, we are the body of Christ. And I would expect and you would expect to see Jesus revealed in one another. When we go for morning tea a little bit later, you'll see Jesus handing you a cup of tea. Now when I used to go to India, the team, I'd say to the team members, Today, look for Jesus. And when I first started to say that, and I said it to every team I used to take, they would say, what do you mean by that? I said, you see Jesus, but you've got to look for him. You see him in a little boy who comes to beg. Or you see him in a a lady, a, a dear saint who will bring a glass of water a bottle of water for it. You'll see Jesus in many ways, but you must look for him. And church, that's exactly the same for you and I. God has gifted us with gifts, spiritual gifts, and he has filled us with his presence through the Holy Spirit. And so we would expect to see Jesus in us. Is I think I'm right. Is, am I? I? I really do believe that. Because that's what the word of God tells me we are clothed in Jesus. I love it. (laughs) We're filled with the joy of the Spirit. I love it. We are those who are possessed with Christ. I love it. So, the believers in Acts, that this Acts 2 passage were alive when it came to being the church. And what were some of the reasons for their spiritual vitality, their spiritual life? And what can we learn from them about what it means to be a spiritually vibrant bunch of believers and that's what we want, don't we? Yeah. We don't want to... We want to be spiritually alive and and on fire for God and and... and Yeah, (laughs) well, even the most casual observer would have to conceive that it was the Holy Spirit. The church was alive, it was on fire with the Holy Spirit when the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what we're reading here is, is the birth of the church. Pardon me while well, I just popped that on the ground. If I was in India, I'd be in trouble for putting the word of God on the ground. <laughs> You've got to believe it. <laughs> so... Notice that the church was birthed in fire. The fire of the Holy Spirit. And fire is a wonderful picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is like a fire in at least three ways. He brings God's presence. The fire is a symbol of the presence of God. It's uh, a symbol of the passion. Of God's passion. And it's a symbol of God's purity. And fire is a symbol of the glory of God. And you know, when I thought about that, I I started to, I just, wow! You know, when um, Solomon dedicated the temple... In his prayer, he said, you know, the heavens and the heavens of heavens cannot contain you. How could I ever, ever think that this, you would come and live in this temple? You know what blows my head off? I and you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know what? We should be splattered all over the universe. Because you have the glory of God in the person of the Holy Spirit living in you. And man, does that excite me. (laughs) Any church will be alive when it's filled, when it's full of the Spirit. Now, when you think about this event, you... Recall how the, uh, the crowd de- described the disciples when you kind of think about Day of Pentecost? Some of them were, were going, Wow, this is the bewildering. We're, we're, let's keep an eye on this. And the others were going, Whoa, man, they're right off their face. It's only nine o'clock in the morning and they're as drunk as skunks. Have a look at them. How would we describe them? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not for any of, um, I'm not saying that we should be rolling around like drunk on the floor here. (laughs) What I'm saying is that these men, and I'm sure the women that were with them as well, Filled with the Holy Spirit. Passion all of a sudden rose up and with them. And Peter gets up and preaches the greatest, one of the greatest sermons ever recorded in the Word of God and 3,000 people are saved. They were uncom- uncompromising. They were excited. They were enthusiastic. And you can't help be Alive and vibrant and passionate and enthusiastic church without having welcomed in the Holy Spirit and getting to know Him and loving Him. When I was pastoring at Padstow I used to say to people, go for a walk with the Holy Spirit. Get to know Him. Get to know Him. And many of you this morning are saying, he's my best friend. I want to tell you, he's my best friend. Go for a walk with him. Don't think you're, you're two-timing Jesus by talking to the Holy Spirit. Or somehow you're not being faithful to Father God. I believe in God the Father. I believe, right? Three in one. Get to know him. Welcome him into your life. And church, let's welcome him more and more into the life of of our church here. Now, the English word for enthusiasm comes from the Greek word enthusiasmos, or Is that all right, uh, Mary? No? Oh, yeah? Okay. Thank you, Mary, for that encouragement. It actually means having God within, or having the God, but having God within. Emerson said that nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm, God within, but much of our Christian experience is as limp as an overcooked noodle. You like spaghetti? It just does that, doesn't it? Overcooked. Thanks, Jeremy. Overcooked. <laughs> but if many, are, I guess, uh, this morning, many of us here—perhaps not many, but a few—we'll have to confess we're a little bit scared stiff of enthusiasm. Yet within Scripture, we find it's warmly approved. Let me. Uh, let me just let you listen. Listen what this is one verse out of Romans 12, verse 11, but in three different translations. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Never uh, NIV. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Oh. And the message, I don't know if you like the message. I don't mind the message. It just puts a new slant on things, doesn't it? Don't burn out. I like it. Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the Master. Cheerfully expectant. So Paul tells them, don't be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Here is what I think. Sometimes we as Christians lose our passion. We lose our enthusiasm. We lose our get up and go. You know one of the reasons for that? Listen to this. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. What? Serving the Lord. Okay, you were were saved that we might know God. And know our Lord Jesus Christ. And be filled with His Spirit. That you were saved. That you might serve Him. And serve His plan. And serve His purposes. God's got big purposes. Big plans for BBC. And I want to tell you, if you're feeling a little bit unenthusiastic. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. No greater joy. No greater joy for anyone than to serve the Lord. Man, that lights my fire. When I was first converted at 16, I looked around for stuff to do. I just wanted to serve the Lord. And the minister said to me, Graham, will you ring the bell? And I said, yeah. So I used to get up there on a Sunday morning At 8.30, or oh no, I'm sorry, there was a communion at 8 o'clock. I was up there at 7.30. Ring the bell, ring the bell, and rang the bell. And then when the organ went down, I used to get around that, just pumping that sucker right up. I looked for any opportunity, anything I could do to serve the Lord. And you did that as well, didn't you? Oh, keep that. Don't lose that. Keep that enthusiasm. Tony Campolo was asked about creation and about God. And he said, this was to a bunch of Baptist pastors, he said, I reckon God is the biggest kid in the universe. He said, think about it when it comes to creation. He created a daisy, and he went, yeah, that'll do. No, he didn't. He went, oh, that is good. Another, 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 10,000, 20,000, a million, oh, man. And so he says he's the biggest kid in the universe, and sometimes we have become so serious. We've lost the joy. We've lost that first Experience that first encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, and then become stale limp ish <laughs> lost the enthusiasm, lost the the joy and the flame <laughs> you know look, I can recall the time um in the bushfire season and uh we were in Padstow at that time, and, and fires destroyed a lot of homes in Menai and Illawong. And uh, an arsonist started a small fire in a bush area just near where we lived in Padstow. And people came out of their homes. You'd know this. Anyone that's with the Royal Fire Brigade, people come out their homes. Wow! Look at that fire. Is that a fire? Wow, it's moving pretty quick, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a fire. Was that a house? Yeah. Let's go over and have a look at that house on fire. That looks pretty good. People are drawn to, uh, you know, those kinds of things. People are are drawn to fire. That's what happened. People came out of their homes to watch this fire. Now, John Wesley, that great uh, preacher, is attributed to two statements regarding the person of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer and by association in the life of a congregation of God's people. And this is what he said. In response to a question regarding the success of his ministry, he, he said, I ask God to set me on fire and let people watch me burn. He also said, Catch on fire with enthusiasm and people will come for miles <laughs> to watch you burn. And he's, he's just talking about passion here. He's just talking about Jesus living in you here. He's just talking about how what happened at Pentecost and, 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 and the fire and the presence of God and the power of God and the passion of God and the purity of God came and filled these men and women. And when you see such a person, truly, aren't you drawn to them? I know some wonderful men and women just so filled with the Holy Spirit. I just want to be with them. Isn't that true? And you know them as well. You you just want to be with them. And so, oh, God would set me on fire. And set you on fire. God set this church on fire. (laughs) <laughs> we need a new building, no no <laughs> let's not go there, okay and a an live church is continually on fire, and such a church will attract attention from people all around. People will see what's happening. people will say what what's happening over there is is that a is that a fire?" <laughs> What is happening over there? Do you hear what's happening at, at BBC? Or do you hear what's happening at Anglican Church? Or the Presbyterian Church? or do you, not? do you hear what's happening? It's like God is there. And the last verse of the passage we read said this, And the Lord added to their number those being saved. Uh, added to their number daily those who were being saved. And and look, I could spend a whole lot of time. There are many, many characteristics and facets of what happened uh, when the church was birthed and the early church. But I just want to touch very quickly on this. Is that the Holy Spirit's kind of like a detonator? He sets off an explosion in our hearts for mission and evangelism. You get Jesus filled, you know, you get filled with Jesus, you get Jesus filled, you get filled with Jesus, you get filled with the passion that comes with the Holy Spirit, then you're going to want to share, you know what I mean? When um, Stephen was killed and the church was scattered, and a whole group of them went down to uh, Antioch, and it says that the hand of the Lord was on, was with them. That means the power of God was with them. Right? And, and so, and what happened in Antioch was like a great revival. They weren't even Christians, so how could there be a revival? There was a great outpouring of the Spirit. Many, 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 many came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word that they used there for preaching is not the word that is meant for me standing up here now and preaching. It meant sharing. They were just normal people who were sharing the gospel. And Antioch was turned on its ear. And out of Antioch, what? Mission. Paul, Barnabas, Silas, boom. Out they went. Holy Spirit said, take them and send them. But, there was this amazing sharing that was happening in the life of believers. Martin Lloyd-Jones, you may have read this book, Joy Unspeakable, great book, points out that in the book of Acts, the relationship between the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and evangelism is striking. This is what he says. Go through Acts, and every instance when we are told either that the Spirit came upon these men or that they were filled with the Spirit, you will find that it was in order to bear witness and testimony. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And that's a natural thing. It's not like God saying, um, the Holy Spirit will come upon you in power, and you'll be my witnesses. It's not loud at all. It's, and you'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. It's, it'll be natural. You'll be my witnesses. Okay. Let's have a look now. Because I need to be going, keep going, because I do waffle on. Okay, um, the next indicator of a live church is a vibrant community. Now, I love watching wildlife documentaries, and just last week, um, Richard Attenborough was talking about these geese that fly over the Himalayas, and God has designed them in such a way that they can fly higher than Mount Everest. No one can do this. A person, if they climb Mount Everest, has got to have oxygen. But these geese, God has created them in such a way that they can fly so high and they can still breathe. <laughs> Amazing. Well I love watching these documentaries and the behavior animals really intrigues me. You can learn so much from them. Now in his book, Developing Leaders Around You, John Maxwell, many of you will know John Maxwell, um, who is a trainer of leaders, reproduced part of a story entitled Are you a goose? Now, as I'm looking out here now, (laughs) Are you a goose? What Australian idiom is that? Are you a goose? From a 1992 magazine article that tells us a few things that scientists have learned about Canadian geese, regarding why they do what they do. Now, what are the lessons that you can learn from geese And also (laughs) hold it in tension with this passage of scripture here. Okay. Well, in the first instance, geese illustrate the concept of fellowship. The power of fellowship. Together, the journey is either easier ever wondered why geese get together before they head south for winter it's not like individuals it's not even in pairs it's what happens is that the dominant bird which is usually a female starts honking oh, oh, oh. I don't know how they honk I'm not even going to do a honk all you women please honk no, <laughs> no. <laughs> honk for us <laughs> Well, they all come together because together the journey is easier. They don't fly separately, and the reason is that no goose alone can complete the journey. No one individual alone can complete the journey. They are designed to fly in that characteristic V formation, and when a bird flaps its wings, you're getting this, this is... Good stuff here. (laughs) When a bird flaps its wings, the air movement created provides the uplift and so eases the workload of the bird behind it. Together, their flight range increases by 70%. Even the youngest, the weakest, the oldest geese can make the trip and they accomplish together what they could never accomplish alone, separately. Now, I believe God has got several lessons for us here to learn from this. In the Bible in Hebrews, Hebrews, is that Hebrews here? No, that's not Hebrews. Okay. There it is, there's Hebrews. The Hebrews passage says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to... Acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Stay in fellowship with one another and enjoy the uplift it provides. Enjoy, stay together and enjoy the uplift it provides. Now, our church is facing a number of challenges, and along with the other elders here, I want to urge you not to allow any of the present trials and testings to demotivate you, to stop you from meeting, coming together to worship and to seek the Lord. You, regularly at worship, encourages me and you encourage one another. It provides the uplift. Now, how many of you, maybe you do this, maybe you don't, but there may be some. When you come in and the service starts, you turn around to see how many people are here. You ever find yourself doing that? Just, just looking, wondering, where is so-and-so? Or I'm missing such-and-such. You see, when one drops away, the uplift is lost. When we're together, the uplift is there. And There are many good reasons why people can't meet with us, and legitimate and good reasons for that. But this is just generally what I'm saying, you know, for us to, to do that. And we need each other. You need me and I need you. And if there were ever a time in the history of this church when we needed to say, together we can do it. Together we can do it. Together we can face and overcome the hardships, the challenges. Together we can accomplish whatever the Lord has for us. And together we can arrive at the destination that God has planned for us. This is the time. This is a together time church. This is where in it, shoulder to shoulder in worship, shoulder to shoulder in ministry, shoulder and shoulder to advancing the kingdom of God. We're together. This is not one man's show, or a woman's show, or a two purple people show. This is us, together. And I hope I'm stirring the living daylights out of you this morning, and this morning you walk out of here and you go, well, we're in it together, we're in it together. <laughs> yeah, and we're gooses too. Speak for yourself, Leighton. <laughs> so there you go. Now also, geese, And guys, um, what have I done? What have I said? Geese? Geese and guys. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay, Okay, I'm going to finish with this. Geese illustrate the concept of encouragement. In the world of geese, the aged, the very young and the not so strong are protected in the air, by the formation. What I also learnt was this, that if a bird becomes injured in the flight, or becomes sick, and starts to fall out of the formation, guess what happens? Two other birds will peel off, and stay with that goose, until it either dies, or it recovers. And then it will, either start off by themselves or they will wait for another flock to come through and they'll join that. My goodness. I praise God for our pastoral care team. I praise God for others of you in this church that, that peel off, that look around and they go, where is so-and-so? And either you go individually or you go with someone else. And you go and you lift them up and you hold them and you're there for them and you're protecting them until they get well. And then you can encourage them and back into the flock again. Church, keep doing that. Don't don't leave here this morning and go, well, I didn't see Uh, so-and-so. Maybe they'll come next week. Make a phone call. Find out what's happening for them. Peel off from the main uh, flock and find out and support and encourage them. It's inevitable. Okay. Um, So the the young and the old, and the not so well, they're at the rear of the formation. But they aren't isolated or considered useless. In fact, they have a vital role to play. They become, and this is what I want to leave with you, they become the honking section. They become the honking section. It's inevitable that at some point in their journey they will confront bad weather or other dangers and uh, that will threaten the mission. They're going, the going gets tough and, and they're struggling And from the rear of the formation, get this, put this picture in your mind, right? V-shaped, geese, very elegant, powerful. And they're up there. And the back are the old guys. And all the old girls. And they're at the back, going honk, 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 honk. What are they saying? You're such a goose. <laughs> what am I saying? Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Church, I mean truly, if we should be saying that to one another. Keep going. Persevere. Run the good race. Fight the good fight. Keep going. Keep persevering. Don't give up. Churchill said in his famous short speech, Never, never give up. I say, never give up. Never, never, never give up. That's not a bad speech. <laughs> never give up. Are you feeling like you want to give up this morning? That's good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Whoops. I want that last one. What do I do with it? Okay. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so that you'll be together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep honking! <laughs> Just keep doing it. Just keep honking, guys. Just keep building one another up. Just keep encouraging one another. Keep saying, we can do it. Chuck Swindle wrote, I know of... Have I lost this? Yeah, I think I have. It slides off my bald head. Uh, he said, I know of no one... More needed, more valuable, more Christ like than the individual who is committed to the ministry of encouragement. Church, if I was to give you a challenge today, the challenge would be this. Would you join the honking team? Who wants to join the honking team? Put your hand up. Come on, honk honk! Who wants to join the honking team? You're weird, the whole lot of you. <laughs> That's great. Let's join, let's join the honking team and encourage one another. The church in Acts is described as spiritual, alive. It, it was passionate, it was exuberant, it was enthusiastic, it was radical, it was joy filled, love filled, faith filled, fun filled bunch of Christians. And that's what happens when God lives within. Let us be such a community of believers. Okay. And perhaps this morning you're sitting here listening to me and feeling like your fire's gone out. It's interesting. Um, it was either when you prayed before we came in, or, yeah, it was inside. And Mary prayed, Lord, um, Fan the spark this morning. I went, oh, okay. And maybe you like that this morning and the the spark is, you know, it hasn't gone out but it's, you know, it's just not there. So I want to encourage you and I'll invite the musos to come back now. um, Encourage you that as we sing this last song that you lift up a prayer to God and ask him to fill you anew with his spirit and to set you on fire. John the Baptist said, speaking about Jesus, I I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, whose thongs or, or sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So please worship, and as you do, just invite the Lord. Lord, would you come anew and afresh into my life. Stoke the flame. Set me on fire again. Thanks, guys.